1: So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network
3: I have to start by saying Thank you I uh, feel very lucky To be on the radio, I get a job where I um, get to come up with ideas. And My number one idea is to get you to need retirement. Um, I get to say things that are d- deeply disturbing and wonderfully insightful. You, on the other hand, have to go to work and push buttons today. You, on the other hand, have to go to work and play by the rules. I feel bad for you, but at the same time, you kind of signed up for it. But I, again, I'm saying thank you so much. I've got a great job and a great career. I made my money in my 20s so that I don't have to work till the day I die. I got lucky. I didn't know that, that was going to happen, but it happened. The worst news that I hear out there, it goes along the lines of this. Three out of four people would rather watch TV tonight than have sex with their partner. And I hear that news, and I go, how can I make that more humanizing? Well, how can I make it more about money? Get financially secure, and you won't want the mind-numbing of television. Kids need money. I get it. I think you should uh, set up a situation for your kids where they get an allowance. I do. And I think you should do lemonade stands when your kids are six, seven, and eight years old. I think it teaches them about their community. It doesn't teach them about money. It teaches them that their community loves them. And they honor the tradition of lemonade stands. And it teaches them that you can reach out to your neighbors and they will show up and buy overpriced lemonade and cookies. Um, To me, it's not about the money. It's about the community. So when you hear me talk about money, I really see way beyond that. My goal is when you turn sixty that you have between one million and four million dollars, because you could probably live off that till the day you die. Depending on your budget, most Americans won't hit that number. If you have between one and four million, there's a good chance that you made a kid, right? And your kid makes a kid and you become a grandparent. And the grandparent the grandkid comes to visit you because your kids need to have Sex, instead of watching TV tonight, they should go off on a, a second honeymoon or a third honeymoon and, and get that bond together so they stay you know, loving parents of that kid and they don't start resenting each other. So my whole goal is that you have enough so that you can be a good grandparent and babysit your kids and be a good grandparent and buy them a big chocolate bar and be a good grandparent and have them guess which hand has the $5 bill and they both have the $5 bill and your kid lo- the grandkid looks at you like you're God. That's my goal. Um, my favorite movie of all time, not my favorite movie, but the movie that will explain to you what radio is all about is a movie called Talk Radio. And it's the story of Barry Champlain, who was this Denver DJ who basically, a listener basically, becomes obsessed with him and kills him. But during that time, it's got some of the... And it's it's a horrible movie, but yes, it's great. It's got the best writing I've ever seen. Um, It was directed by Oliver Stone before Oliver Stone was big. It was the movie that got him through, so to speak. If you get a chance to watch it, do, because it'll give you a really good understanding of what people in radio love, and it's connecting with the audience. Even if we have to connect with hate, even if we have to connect with... um, You know, money and retirement ideas. It's fantastic. The final speech is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, He goes, I'm a hypocrite. I ask for sincerity and I lie. I denounce the system as I embrace it. I want money and power and prestige. I want ratings and success and I don't give a damn about you or the world. That's the truth. And he's basically frothing at the mouth as he's like screaming in the microphone. And telling his audience that they're stupid, dumb Americans. Um, part of it goes, marvelous technologies at our disposal. And instead of reaching up to new heights, we're going to see how far down we go. How deep into the muck we can immerse ourselves. What do you want to talk about? Baseball scores? Your pet? Orgasms? You're pathetic! I despise each and every one of you! There is that relationship that I have out there with you, the audience. I despise the people that are going to New York in their 20s and blowing money. I don't really despise you, but part of me does. It's a weird contradiction. I want you saving money so you have a nice retirement. And it's not really about a nice retirement. It's really about not having a horrific retirement. That's part of my goal. I think we're on this earth from age 20 to 100, and whether you believe in God and heaven and all that stuff, up to you. My goal is to make sure that I get you there. And if you have a kid, I think my goal is to try to get you to get that kid into college. Because no college degree in the United States, it's not good. It's not pretty. Um... So yeah, at times I'll, I'll push your buttons. I'll go, go away, bunch of yellow-bellied, spineless, bigoted, quivering, drunken, insomniatic, paranoid, disgusting, perverted, voyeuristic, little obscene phone callers. You, ha- it, it, you have to understand that when I talk about Greece and I don't like Greece, it's because I'm trying to get you to understand what I don't like about Greece. It's a government that was first and foremost criminal, and they stole from their own people. They're criminal and they lied to the European Union about their finances. They hosted a Greek Olympics that they had no business hosting a Greek Olympics because they spent billions of dollars on new stadiums that will never be used again. What they spent on the Greek Olympics, had they put in their budget, they would be fine. But that's why I hate politicians. Like, I start with talking about Greece, and now I hate politicians. Because, again... it seems to be about getting reelected. It seems to be more about taking from the system. So, I do get incredibly frustrated with this show. I do see it sometimes pearls before swine. And that's no insult to you. It's just an insult. To, it's just like this system, it stinks. And I got to do everything I can to get you invested. I have to. Some of you got it, some of you have figured out what I'm trying to do. I want you to know if you listen, I will do my very best every day to bring something to the table that helps you financially speaking. Today, I talked about the idea of prepaying a mortgage is a bad idea. Doing a bi monthly mortgage is a real bad idea. And honestly, I think these mortgage accelerator programs are, are downright criminal. There's a twist on a mortgage accelerator where you take out a mortgage and you put it into an annuity. And that's downright criminal. And I think if I were elected president of the United States, I'm not going to really focus on the immigrants. <laughs> what I will focus on, legal or illegal, by the way, I will electrocute, I will put to death anyone who financially rips you off because it infuriates me. Mortgage accelerated people, gone. Day trading academies, gone. People that hurt you, gone. Big annuity insurance people, gone. I will electrocute them two at a time. I will... If we don't have enough chemicals for uh, lethal injection, I'll do it myself. Give me a little, you know, shotgun, pistol, I'll do it myself. It infuriates me to see good people hurt financially. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anyone who's in a uh, talk radio, you'll totally get me if you see that If you... Get it and watch it and try to understand it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial.
2: I you Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220, KDOW. I've been around the world and never
3: Magic Dragons. You. I think they're the top kick butt rock and roll band in the United States right now. And again, you can say Foo Fighters, but uh, long in the tooth. You could say who you want to, but I'm saying Fresh. I'm going with Fresh. Um, I I just I, their song like Radioactive. It's going to be on sports broadcasts for years um they're out of vegas interesting fact about coming out of vegas the killers are out of vegas and uh i once heard brandon flowers and this is fantastic he did this interview where someone sent it to me because they know that i like brandon flowers and the killers um he's doing an interview on it you can find on youtube and he's like yeah so i grew up in uh you know, pretty modest, and, you know, as in my church, and I sang in my church, and people always said that, you know, one day you'll, um, you know, move past that, and you won't sing in your church anymore, and um, you see his, like, kids, and his kids are, like, snot-covered, puke-covered kids, and you're like, dude, you've got, like, millions and millions of dollars, like, shouldn't you have a nanny, like, cleaning boogers off their face? And uh, it ends with, and and I'm a member of the Latter-day Saints, and you're like, Whoa! This cool, kick-butt, rock-and-roll guy is a Mormon? No caffeine, no alcohol? Yeah. He also talked about in that interview, he was like, um, he does great covers. And the reason that he does great covers, it's pretty fascinating to me, is if you're a band from Vegas, to get a gig at a casino, they will, you know, you'll see bands like, on the streets in front of a casino, you'll see you know bands inside of a casino on a, in a little corner by the jewelry store. The casino would make deals with them, like yeah, absolutely, you can come practice and play your music, but you got to do covers because the, the the gambler from Iowa, he doesn't want to hear your original music. He wants to hear Moon River. He wants to hear the Bangles. Walk like an Egyptian. So, the killers do fantastic cover songs because, in order to get good, in order to get skilled, and you become skilled when you do anything for 12,000 hours. I think that's a proven scientific fact. You have to get in front of audiences and do it for 12,000 hours. Whether it's work at Visa, whether it's work in baseball, you have to swing a bat 12,000 times to get good at it. So, bands from Vegas are good at cover songs. Who would have known? 800 516 1220 to get your calls in the air. Let's go to Gil and San Dimas.
4: Good morning,
3: Rob. Gil, don't blow this. This is my career. I'm, I'm thankful for having an air stick they can talk into.
4: Uh, have you ever thought about retirement as freedom? No. In other words... Uh, yeah, sure.
3: I think of divorce uh, as freedom.
4: Well, I you know, I never thought about retirement when I was working. I'm retired now. Yeah. I'm 66. Everything's great. But... I, mean, I always thought of retirement as, I didn't want anybody to control me. I, you know, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it, and I think the audience has to look at it that way. It's not just about... I mean, I know guys that are retired, and they spend most of at their time at the doctor. So I don't like, it's just a matter
3: of money. It's a matter of taking
4: care of yourself. Uh, sorry about the car out. Are you in a trash truck? I'm over the Lake Eurohead, actually, and the trash truck's coming by, but... I was sitting with my wife and, and, and having dinner last night, and I asked her, well, what do you think
0: about yourself? And, what do I think about myself? This
3: is what the term is all about. So, Gil, do me a favor, because I asked you not to ruin the show,
0: yeah.
3: and you just ruined the show. You called in yeah. on a bad phone line. I could barely hear anything that you were saying. I'm sorry? There's a trash truck right on top of you, it sounds like.
4: <laughs> no, not really. It's gone now.
3: <laughs> my boss is listening to this going like... The FCC is going to pull our our plug any second now. That's the worst caller ever.
2: You unplugged me already?
3: Yeah, thanks for the call. I so appreciate that. 800-516-1220. If anyone can do a worse job than that, pick up the phone, give me a call, and let's take the title of worst caller ever away from Gil. 800-516-1220. He did have an observation on retirement that he sees it as freedom. My observation on retirement is not freedom. I I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to be gray. I don't want to take Viagra. I don't want to try to figure out what to do with my day. I like getting up at four and studying and investing and learning. I like that structure. But that brings the question is, what does retirement mean to you? I've got a, a board producer who's 31, and he probably hasn't saved a lot of money for retirement. And his idea of retirement, it's not freedom, it's a dream. It's not prison, which it is to me. I don't like the idea of retirement. I like working with young people. I like working with people I can talk to and getting to learn. I've got a guy at the office right now who, he loves beer. And I could talk to him all day about beer. Um, I've got an uncle who's retired. And he used to go and hang out with prisoners and talk to prisoners in retirement. That doesn't sound like fun to me. And now his back is so bad, he can barely walk. And that doesn't sound like fun to me. So part of what I try to do on the show is say, get healthy. It's a really weird concept, but, and I know this is gonna sound kind of creepy, but when I go to the gym every day, I look for the best looking person, the most fit person, and I copy what they're doing. So some days I'm stretching on the ground, some days I'm on a cycle. Some days I'm on a stairmaster. Some days I'm on a stair climber. Some days I'm on treadmill. Some days I'm doing that weird-looking treks thing, which I can't quite explain. Um, but I find the best-looking person, what really stinks, it reminds me of I Want to Be Young Again. There's a girl at the gym who is so smoking hot, I can't even talk to her.
1: Like I'd be like, well, what are you do to work out? <laughs> my tongue fell
3: off. But I copy what she does because I want to be as fit as I can in retirement because I don't want to be like my uncle who can barely walk because uh, he's got back problems. So Gil did try to bring up a good content that he thinks retirement's freedom, but retirement's different for all people, and that's what stinks about this show. I want to get you there... Healthy and wealthy. Wealthy so you can make decisions. Healthy so you don't have to, like, stay in bed or take 30 minutes to walk down a flight of steps. Um, And again, if you want to talk to prisoners, if you want to hang out with your wife, fine. Um, I don't really like people um, on a personal level. I like people on a superficial level. I like talking to the beer guy at the station. I like talking to the general manager. But then I like going home and not seeing them, (laughs) if that makes any sense. Um... That's my issue. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Greece is still a bit of a problem out there. Um, the prime minister got elected. He says, no more austerity, no more pain. In fact, I'm going to give you free popsicles. And they're like, free popsicles? Let's vote for him. And then he gets in and he tells the European Union, no more austerity. We're not going to do it. And he tells his people, let's vote. And they say, no more austerity. And this week he goes, "Uh, guys, uh, you know that that deal that I told you to vote no on last week? Well, it's worse than that. I need you to to prove it now, because I was wrong. I'm Rob Black, talking about things financial, money, investing, and more.
2: Rob Black now. 800 516 1220. That's 800 516 1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM
4: 1220
2: KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all
3: things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Eric Markovitz with the IB Times. Eric, tell us a little bit about your background as a writer.
4: Sure. Uh, well, I started uh, several years ago. Um, I cover mostly uh, technology, criminal justice, and, um, you know, for this story I was looking at uh, how technology companies are operating within U.S. prisons and jails.
3: That's a fascinating start. Now, before we even get into that, um, I get covering, you know, hey, Apple's got a new phone. But yeah. where, did, where did jails and technology... Get into your mind is like this. There could be something
4: there. Um, you know, I guess this was probably over a year ago. I started seeing stories out of Texas um, where there, there was this trend of you know Skype calls or you know everyone on their iPhone has now FaceTime. Uh, some some jails were replacing uh, in-person visitations with uh, these kind of Skype calls. What they, they just call them video visitations. And it was actually creating a bit of controversy because advocates were saying this wasn't fair. You can't just eliminate in-person uh, visits. You know, that that's really uh, – it could be disastrous for the mental health of an inmate. And actually a lot of studies were showing that, um, you know, when these guys were getting out, they, they just weren't equipped and they were um, – committing more crimes and, and potentially is because they were losing that contact with their family members uh, and that, you know, video visits just wasn't a good replacement. So I started thinking a lot about how technology uh, is being used in jails and prisons and, and really there's just a whole national move to make things more high tech. You know, we see it in our lives, uh, but we see it in the government as well. We saw the huge debacle with uh, healthcare.gov. Um, but it's very much happening within the criminal justice system, and uh, and so I started looking at all the different ways, and, and particularly the companies that were serving this industry.
3: And we have this notion. I mean, again,
4: I'm white collar. I've never committed a crime.
3: We kind of have. I kind of have that media notion of like, well, in prison you sit behind a glass door and you pick up the phone and they pick up a phone and you chat. Right. Um, so that's we we already have that built in, and again, you're telling me that we're going 21st century with us.
4: So things are things are changing, and I, and I'm not sure they're changing for for the better. Um, you know, frankly, for anyone. Um, so I think you have this image in your head of you know you get arrested and the, the police officer says to you, okay, you get your, your oh, free phone, call. phone your free phone call yeah. on the uh, <laughs> on the payphone. Um, so that's a really outdated concept. There are no payphones left. Um, all the all the phones are operated by private companies, um, and these phone calls are. Um, notoriously uh, uh high priced um, I mean a, a ten minute phone call or fifteen minute phone call could usually cost ten to fifteen dollars which is um, you know rates as high as you know a minute a, a dollar a minute uh and that's because you know there's just been over the last decade or fifteen years um this this push to privatize the industry with rewarding companies with these um, exclusive contracts. And, you know, there's really no regulation over how much they can charge. So this is something the government in the last two years has started to actually look at. And um, in fact, later this summer, the FCC will be coming out with some really comprehensive and I'd say industry-defining regulations on this whole world.
1: Why is
3: it that we have private contracts for telecommunications in the prisons in this day and age? I get it fifty years ago, but doesn't it seem like a prison could just walk into a Verizon store and get an unlimited- you know voice plan and just
4: <laughs> right i mean especially i mean the, these companies are actually using um VoIP services, so the idea that it would cost so much money is is pretty ludicrous um to a lot of people. I think what they're selling really is they've sold these jails and prisons on the notion that um, they provide extra security. So they are not just um, phone calls. This is a tool for your prosecution office because uh, all of these calls are are monitored and they're recorded and they're secure lines. uh, And, you know, that this is something that the government just can't handle. And you see this in a lot of different industries where there's this Prevailing idea that you know a private company can handle something better and more efficient and cheaper than than the government could, and so you know these these private companies are very very good at um, marketing themselves towards towards prisons and jails. What else is inside this story? Is it so the the story that I wrote um, recently talks a, a lot about actually how uh, the the county sheriffs. Um, you know, for a long time, they never really saw a penny from any of these phone calls. But in the last 15-20 years, they collect. They've started collecting commissions on all of these calls, and that's because they say that they have high costs that they incur from providing the phone service. That you know, it costs them money to bring an inmate down to the phone bank and allow them to make the call, and then they have to pay their jail guards uh, to listen to the calls. Um, so what they've done effectively is gotten these companies to give them commissions, and these commissions can be as high as like 50, 60, 70% of the revenue from the call. So it may not sound you know, like a phone call might be that lucrative, but when you're thinking that there's over 2 million people you know, locked up and uh, they're making a few phone calls a day, you know, that's hundreds of thousands of minutes of calls per day, and, and it amounts to an, an industry that's about, that drives about $1.2 billion in yearly revenues. Um, and in commissions. To, in, not just in commission, that's that's revenue total okay. and, and the sheriffs take um, anywhere between fifty and and eighty percent um, on those calls and and it varies from contract to contract, but you've seen you know this is a tactic that companies use to get a contract with a jail, so they'll say, you know company X is giving you fifty percent, but you know we'll give you sixty percent so And the the company is still making money, um, interestingly, over the last few years, by starting to charge a lot of different ancillary fees, Um, and this is something that advocates are very upset about um, and are pushing the FCC to start regulating um, because, you know, like you you look at your credit card and you see all these kind of random fees, or you look at your phone bill and you see like an access fee or a wireless fee, Um, but this is happening um, in a a pretty absurd fashion in some ways. You know, there's, uh, you know, like an $8 fee just to load money onto your account. Um, things like that that, are, that, are, that people are very, very upset about.
3: Who's paying all of this? Is it the taxpayers or is it the prisoner's family?
4: So this is pretty much exclusively from the prisoner's families here. Um, and, and you have to remember, I mean, these are people that are typically um, the least likely to be able to afford it and also people who have not committed any crime of their own. So, you know, for the price of um, just wanting to speak with, with a loved one who's behind bars, frankly, and people who are not always convicted yet because these could be people that are just waiting yeah. um, for, their, for their trial. Um, but ultimately, the, you know, the, these costs go to the grandparents and the kids and the, and the husbands and wives of the people who are on the outside um, just trying to keep in touch. Why isn't our Congress
3: furious about this? Because it it's gouging. And in this case, like, we get upset when an old lady, an old grandmother gets gouged. Why yeah, aren't we I upset mean, that criminals right. are gouged?
4: Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. First, I mean, I think you have to think about this population as a fairly marginalized group in the first place. And second, you know, when you're talking about Congress, I mean, the Congress members are certainly aware of this. Um, but they, you know, th- there were a few Congress people to, to actually file letters to the FCC on this issue. And and most of them um, really sided on the law enforcement side that said, you know, you can't eliminate... The FCC cannot eliminate these commissions for our sheriffs because you know they need this money, um, which which is sort of strange because you know why should they be getting the money specifically from prisoners' families? So you know if, if they need a, if they have a budget and they need to pay for squad cars and they need to pay for bulletproof vests, certainly that those are appropriate things to spend money on. Um, but shouldn't that be up to the county commission and shouldn't that be up to the state legislatures um, to be decided on to be deciding on those budgets and not simply just you know passing them to uh, these inmates families
3: it's fascinating because we have a i live in northern california and way up in northern california we've got a marijuana growing problem where it's it's well known that the police don't really want to bust too much because then they'll lose their helicopters right right exactly
4: yeah i know it's a it's, it's a it's a tricky balance i guess and you know for for the jail administrators here they're they're you know they're pretty upset about this um regulation because because Really, they may be losing out significant uh, revenue streams here and and, it, and it's very interesting what will happen with with the FCC because you know i 've spoken with the uh, the head of the National sheriff's Association, and um, you know he basically told me uh, uh, very straightforwardly that they don't have to provide phones in prisons and jails that okay. uh, this is up to the, the the jail administrators, and so if they remove commissions completely if they don't recoup that those costs that they say they have they could very well just eliminate the phones in the prisons altogether cutting off communication for people who want to keep in touch over the phone Um, which seems to really be going backwards in terms of you know how we think about uh you know um, rehabilitation and, and recidivates and getting people reintegrated back into society
3: so where do you think this all ends if you were to say there's an end game in sight is it same old same old that uh Nothing will really change, or will we get 21st century with this and realize that cell phones and, you know, cost of telecommunication should be cheaper?
4: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the outlook is is generally pretty positive. I think it's a very yeah. good sign that that the FCC seems to be pretty committed to this issue. And, um, you know, it's been unregulated for a long time. So any, any step forward, I think, is forward progress.
3: Okay. Thanks very much for joining me today. It's Eric Markovitz. Um, IB Times, if you want a copy of his article, and it's fascinating to me, he's he introduces himself as a technology writer that dabbles in in ju- the judicial system. What a crossover. But again, prisons have been around for, you know, since basically society, right? You know, off with his head, did that work? Does it work to give a cell phone or a phone to a prisoner so he can stay in touch with family members? Uh, we as a, a nation, we always have to be looking at ourselves. What are we doing, and why are we doing it? How are we rehabilitating people? The United States has a very, very high population of people in jail, and uh, I don't think it's. He said it's marginalized. He says it's, I. I don't know how much marginalized it is. And again, when you start looking at poor people, I think it's. Um, I think it's very telling. I think this story is a good story tech writer Eric Markowitz with IB Times. You can find him at ibtimes.com, International Business Times, IB Times.
2: Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob
3: Black talking all things financial money invested more. One of my favorite companies is Visa. You can put all the crap out there that you want. You can spit on me talk about Bitcoin this, Bitcoin that, the overhyped cryptocurrencies. I don't get it. Visa CEO Charlie Scharf has quietly put together a $6.8 trillion stranglehold on the world's commercial transactions. He is the future of payments. And a lot of people just don't get that. They're oftentimes looking at, like, how can we upset the system? How can we figure out how to play it better? You can't. Sometimes the winners are winners. Sure, there will be a point in time where McDonald's loses some of the popularity or some of the, you know, vigor. And there's no doubt about it that Starbucks is the new McDonald's. But when you're talking about trillions of dollars of transactions, I'll go with Visa. Visa has 60% operating margins on revenues of $12.7 billion last year. Cash flow of more than $7 billion. Cash flow of $7 billion. Okay, it's not quite... Apple, but it's pretty darn close. And in, down the road, meh, maybe Visa will have lose some of its cool factor. But I doubt it. Visa handled, you know, $6.8 trillion of transactions. That's double the amount of MasterCard and 14 times American Express. Their are threats. Retailers have won billions of dollars in antitrust suits, accusing the company of helping banks keep fees, which can run as high as 2.75%. Visa's efforts to bypass them and forge direct relationships with retailers by offering one-click internet transactions and providing data on consumer behavior. Data on consumer behavior. Visa can tell retailers what you're buying and when and where. Um, Visa embraces technology. Visa does a pretty cool thing. They hire employees that aren't necessarily financial analysts. I know they hired a marine biologist, and she's risen pretty high up. Visa embraces the fact that millennial workers are different than Generation X workers, which are different than the baby boomers. Okay, so they don't have the benefits of Google, free sushi, free bus rides, but they do give you a 6% match. That ain't bad. And they they put cash in account. As long as you work, they put cash in account. So when you go bye-bye, you've got a big chunk of cash so it was worked for a whole year working on Apple Pay grab billions of dollars more in fees each year by making Visa the payment method of choice for everything right down to dollar hamburgers and McDonald's three block taxi rides pull out your phone whoop. Visa's got tons of capital um, and that's all pretty powerful They've got a new thing called C-Suite. I don't know. Originally, a simple paper card with $300 credit limit Bank of America card was vulnerable to fraud. Um, So Visa's now got things where your phone verifies identity with a thumbprint or facial recognition with Apple Pay. A little point of service, then sends the token and encryption to the merchant's acquiring bank. Boom, boom, boom. Digital—they're a play on what Apple invents. They're like, sure, we want to be part of that. That's a really, really smart company. I highly recommend you consider owning shares of Visa for the long term, not for the short term. Um, for the long term, change has been the really only constant in companies since the year 2000. Uh, A lot of, a lot of change through all the turmoil including the most severe financial crisis since the 1930s. Um, You can find some really good CEOs, and you can find some really good fund managers. You don't get good. Everyone's smart in an up market. Everyone, even you. What you have to look at is who's good in a down market, because you're not. The biggest transformative technology in the next 10 years I love driverless cars. I love the concept of it. I had a friend that died in a drunk driving accident. He wasn't the driver, the other car was. So a drunk hit him and killed him. The idea that driverless cars are right around the corner, I love the idea. And there's companies now that are going to start building in systems so you can't drive drunk. Technology is already there. But the biggest thing in the next 10 years, it's not gonna be driverless cars. And I I can tell you some investments in driverless cars. Mobileye. There's one. But it's going to be personalized medicine. Now, I'm not going to talk a lot of personalized medicine because it's not as cool of a story as a driverless car. Digitization is changing the way that dentistry is practiced. There's no doubt that over the next decade, there will be exciting advancements in that area that you can't dream of. Tremendous opportunity in countries with a rapidly expanding middle class. A political environment conducive to business and a highly skilled workforce. Now, why did I bring up dentistry? Ultimately, I brought up dentistry because there's a company that's publicly traded named Henry Schein. Um, my dentist, he said, "You want to see something cool?" And he takes me in his back office, and he's got a 3D printer printing up a cap or veneer. That he used to have to send out to the lab. The lab would charge him, who would charge the patient, basically a thousand bucks, and the lab would keep most of that, thousands to five thousand dollars. Now he's charging the patient that, doing it in in house. In under a day. Pretty darn cool. Two pieces of advice stand out in my mind. Anytime someone comes to seeking to make a strategic investment, substitute the word stupid for strategic, and you'll be fine. And never defend the indefensible, which actually came from. Yeah. Advice from my father. Think about it. Two bits of advice. They're related. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. I really appreciate that you listen. I really, really do. Reach out to me, rob at robblack.com. Take care. Have a good day.